So for confirmation, uh, it's really about finding out, confirming what a person believes. And it comes down to two things. The first is about learning the, the basics of, of the church, things like communion and baptism and other important things, but really what it means to be a follower of Christ. And uh, of, of those, the most important is uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Of course, communion and baptism and other things that we do here are important, but those are more outward signs uh, to show your faith. Um, and those are ways to have moments with your Savior. But learning to be a follower of Jesus is really the heart of confirmation. The second part of confirmation is for each of the students to figure out where they are on their own journeys with Christ. And early in the class, we talk about, of course, what that means. And when we say journeys with Christ, what we're not trying to do is get every student at the exact same spot at the end of the class. That, that's not what we're trying to do. Um, it's not about each of them trying to reach a certain level of Christendom, right? Like, that's not our goal. Our goal is for every student to figure out where they are on their faith journey and then to make sure that that faith journey is actually pointing towards Jesus. And it sounds kind of simple when you just hear it um, from up here. It just sounds simple. But it's a lot of inward looking and a lot of self-examination and figuring out where you are. And that isn't always fun. So just like the confirmands have been doing over the last five months, uh, this morning I'd like us to each look about where we are all are on in our faith journey. Personally, I found that I don't really evaluate how my spiritual life is doing um, all that much. Um, and then when I do it, I, I kind of realize that I'm, I'm doing it uh, a little bit wrong. Because I try, <laughs> what I realize what I'm trying to do is I try and figure out all the things that I'm doing right. Or all the things that I'm doing wrong. And when I do that, it becomes a lot more like a, a checklist. And it's not about what Jesus is doing. And, you know, it says that Jesus still loves me despite all the things that I'm not doing right. You know, he still shows us grace. And, and with that in confirmation, we learn that our relationships uh, are about how much Jesus loves us despite the fact that, you know, sometimes we do have doubts. Sometimes we do have questions that we are confused about. And, you know, we do have struggles that sometimes can be embarrassing to talk about. And students often come into confirmation class thinking that they can't ask questions. Um, or they're afraid to admit that they have doubts or afraid to admit that they have struggles. But they, like many of us, they, they think that they're supposed to have it all figured out um, already. And what's important for us to remember is that your testimony is not the end of the story. Um, our testimonies are about trying to figure out what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is currently doing for us. Because if you think about it, most of us probably haven't done what these students have done. We probably haven't sat down and wrote your testimony out or even ever shared your, your testimony with someone else. And if we think, why haven't we done that? Well, it could be, you know, we don't know exactly what to say or we think that it might sound too silly. You know, not realizing that God uses our testimonies to point other people to him. So I want to look back at the verse that Logan just read for us in 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 16, this is Peter speaking, and he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter is talking about his experience with Jesus. Peter doesn't have it all figured out. Um, he's telling other people about what he saw and what they went through getting to know Jesus. Verse 17 here, 17 and 18. 
It says, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. You see, we get confused and we think that we have to have the perfect words to convince people about Jesus. And if that were true, Jesus wouldn't have picked those 12 disciples. He would have picked 12 English scholars or 12 entertainers, right? Like he wouldn't have chosen those people. Um, Our role is not to like use the most well-crafted or have the funniest testimonies when we're talking to other people. Our Our role in other people's spiritual lives is not to convince them about Jesus. Our role is to tell them what Jesus has done in our lives. Our role is to tell others how Jesus has affected us. Verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It says we are the the lamp in the dark world. Peter is saying that we're, we're supposed to be that light that shines to other people until the day that Jesus comes back. And that's, that's really big. That's really important. It says we're the light shining in the dark places, pointing, to, pointing other people to Jesus. And he's saying, pay attention. Pay attention when people give testimonies because this is amazingly important. Because every single person in here has a testimony. We all have you know, could tell a story or something about how Jesus has affected our life to one degree or another. And Peter says when people are giving testimonies that we should pay attention. So this morning, I'd like you all to pay attention to the testimonies that Lindsay and Katie are about to give. And their stories convey an important aspect to our, our faith journey, that we're not just doing this journey alone. So let their testimonies be lamps that light up the dark places and point people to Jesus. So We'll have two readers. The first is going to be Lindsay, and the second is going to be Katie Janice. So if you'll please help me welcome Lindsay Schuler. Thank you. Growing up in a religious family, I always know, knew about this whole God thing. I went to church, prayed, and was essentially a good Christian. Hi, my name is Lindsay Schuler, and I go to Eastern Middle School. Looking back on the good Christian thing now, I realize how utterly false that is. There's no scale. There's no, ju- there's no rating. There's no judgment. But, and because Christianity is a relationship, not just a religion. But the whole relationship with God thing didn't click in the blink of an eye. That was mostly my fault, though. I didn't try to pursue him with my whole heart or even part of it, and I didn't think about God any other time than the time that I spent at church on Sundays. The main reason why I didn't pursue him is because my six-year-old self only thought it was fun to play dress-up with my cousin. In my mind, that left no time for anything else. Well, anything other than getting new dresses to play dress-up in, of course. Also, I needed something tangible. I needed to see something, feel something, or hear something. Actually, I needed all three. The whole believing without seeing wasn't even fathomable to me. But that's because of what I was looking for. When I was looking for God, I was looking for someone to sneak up behind me, shake me, and then to top it all off, yell at me with a megaphone, and then shake me one more time just so I knew it was really real. (laughs) All my little self could think is, why is he not standing right next to me? After that came my seatbelt phase. 
This took place after someone told me that God was always right there and was always watching me. This meant that when I got in the car, naturally God got in the other seat. Now, I don't know what God was thinking. I mean, he's the creator of the universe, but he never seemed to buckle his seatbelt. Therefore, I took it upon myself to do it for him. I also viewed God as a version of Santa. I thought he had a good list and a bad list, so every time I got in the car, buckled his seatbelt, it made me more on his nice list, so I could go to heaven and do whatever I wanted. It was like trying to win the life game that didn't even exist. Trying to beat an imaginary game with many sets of rules and standards of right and wrong is not an easy task. On one hand, you have the Bible telling you to love everyone, not be jealous, and all the other things we know that we should be doing. Then you have the earthly set of rules, the ones that are way more fun to follow and satisfying in the moment. The God version of the game is to play nice and not worry about where you end up. This one sounds like the easiest version of the life game. No stress, no worry about where you go, how far you get, or how off track you get, because there's always waiting someone, someone is always waiting at home to welcome you back home. Sounds easy, right? Well, we know that's the wrong answer. The human set of rules is like a ladder, with your self-worth being determined by how high you're able to climb in a lifetime. Trying to straddle both sets of rules that are totally different was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Not only that, but it was baffling and confusing. This is because I, when I sinned, I would go up a rung on the earth ladder, a ladder but simultaneously take a step away from God. This may sound not sound surprising, but it took me a long time to find God. Not in an, oh no, I think he got lost, but in a knock-knock on my heart, and more like, is anybody really in there? This was by far the hardest hurdle to jump. This is because I followed all of the instructions perfectly, but the end goal was never reached. So I went to do as I was told, prayed to God, and asked him into my heart, but he never came into mine. I started asking myself then, if God is supposed to love everyone, am I the one exception? And will he never come? It was like I was a fisherman trying to get tempt God, the fish, onto my hook so I could reel him in and keep him in my heart. The one problem was, instead of him being, God being a brain-dead fish, he is the all-knowing creator of the universe. What my plans were, were to ask God into my heart, get him in there, and then put my whole heart on lockdown. That's because one of my biggest fears is this day being my last. I had heard a sermon based on living every day as if it was your last, and at the end of the sermon, the pastor asked everyone to ask God into our heart. So I followed suit, but to no prevail. Long story short, it felt like he didn't ever accept my invitation. I knew this because there was still a big gaping hole in the center of my heart needing to be filled. I took this sermon a little too much to heart, and with the fear of not going to heaven, I started asking God into my heart three to four times a day. But again, the emptiness was not filled. This is because no one had ever told me to change my mindset, and the biggest thing keeping me from God was my own perfectionism. I wanted to be perfect because God hated being near sin. I tried to fix myself before asking God into my heart, but again, I had the order of events all mixed up. My thoughts were, go the extra mile, perfect yourself, and then ask God into your heart. Not come to God as a sinner longing for forgiveness. I had taken one of God's hardest jobs to forgive us and took it upon myself to do. That is why my life verse is to be still and know that he is God, exalted above all else. Thank you. faith journey feels like it's had many different starting points. Each of them came right when they, I needed them. I can also see that every stage along the way I was helped by this church. Every stage helped my faith and relationship with God get even stronger. 
Hi, I'm Katie Janis. I'm in eighth grade and I go to Eastern Middle School. My parents have really helped me along the way. When I was younger, I used to be like every other kid that goes to church. Nothing seemed to bother me about my faith life. But then I had a thought. What if this all wasn't real? What if all of this was a lie? What if this beautiful life and world isn't real? Then all the stress and other things just started, and I was scared about my faith. I'd find myself not being able to sleep because of those thoughts about life. I'd also have panic attacks where I wouldn't know what to do. One great thing that my mom and dad did were always there no matter what. I told them about my fears of my faith, and they were there to help. One of the best things my parents did for my faith journey came out of nowhere. I came home one day and found a book on my bed. On the cover, it read, Heaven is for Real. I sat down on my bed and read it over two times before I said anything. I remember the feeling I had after reading. I felt so happy and faithful and at peace. My parents later talked to me about the book, and talking to them that day really helped me. After that, I'd ask my dad to read the Bible to me at night, and one night he read two verses. These verses have been my life verse since then. It's from Matthew 6, verse 3 to 4, and it says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what, you, what is done in secret, will reward you. I picked that verse not only because of its meaning, but because I couldn't seem to get it out of my head. I'd find myself some days wondering what it meant for a long while. I slowly started to piece together not only what it meant, but how I could use it in my life. I tried my best to be able to accomplish that. As years passed, I could feel my faith grow. I can remember when I went to my first winter weekend. It was one of the most amazing trips ever. The first time I had ever heard some of the lessons that weekend, I noticed all these things about my faith, and I can admit I was a little scared. I st I'm still learning. I was still learning about my faith, and there was so much I didn't know about how great God was. I mean, I still don't know a lot of things, but it's a joy going on my faith journey. The retreat opened my eyes to a whole new side of my faith, the side that seemed so new. I wasn't sure if I was ready to explore it, but I was so ready to learn more about God. Those trips helped my faith grow so much. I felt so much emotion and happiness there. I felt like I was getting closer to God. There's so much I learned about God and what he means to each and every one of us. Small groups is another place where I continued to learn. I don't think my faith could be ordered without small groups and without the people there. Every single person in that group helped me get where I am today. In these lessons, they taught me about how great God was and everything God has done for us. They helped me understand the hard questions about God. Each time I leave those lessons, I seem to be closer to God. Small groups always seem to help to be able to answer the questions that run through my head, and sometimes I feel like they answer questions I have without me even asking. It's like sometimes I need to know the answer before I thought to ask it. One of the people that were able to help me in small groups is Lauren. She always seemed to be there for me and is ready to help with whatever question I have. She even invited me to play guitar in the worship we have before we start lessons. I don't know if she knows this, but that helped me so much in my faith journey. During those moments playing for the group and with her, I feel so close to God. Getting to play worship music with with her really helped me with my faith journey. And that's only one, one way Lauren has helped me. Not only Lauren, but I also want to say how amazing Charlotte Jackson and Christine Walker are. 
These women with Lauren have led the group and guided our group's faith into where we are with our relationship with God. Everything I've learned on my journey has led me to the place where I learned about and felt God the most, Guatemala. Ever since Guatemala, my relationship with God has been so strong. Every morning I'd wake up at five and I would go outside. It's so quiet there in the morning and the view is so calming. I'd bring my journal and book and I would journal about my time in Guatemala. I remember feeling so close to God in those moments in the mountains. Whenever I didn't know how to write what I was thinking, I would just look out over the mountains. In Guatemala, I can't remember one time I felt scared or stressed. I felt God so much there and I'm grateful and I'm so grateful for that because I wouldn't be where I am in my faith journey without it. I was able to get to know him so much there. In Guatemala, we'd also study some verses from the Bible and I would feel excited to read and write and even to do the work to get closer to God. We did more of that at night and that's also when other people shared their stories. Hearing what everyone else had to say was cool because you could tell how much closer everyone had gotten to God by hearing their testimonies. I even used what I learned in Guatemala to help me in school, to help me stay focused. I would try to remember all the things I learned about God there. I still remember once when we were taking a math test where I couldn't focus and I was stressed about the test. And then, no joke, I drew a full-blown picture of the view I had in Guatemala. After that, I was calm, and every time I felt stressed about the test, I would just look back at the picture, and I felt better about doing the work because I was, it was the place where I felt God the most and the place where I became closer to him. It's fun to think about how there are so many different parts of my life that have let me, led me closer to God. I'm still learning more about God, of course, and trying to build a better relationship with him. And to think the journey I've had with God already in such a small amount of my life, I can't wait for the rest because there's so much more. The journey can be hard and confusing, but that's what makes a journey a journey. And I know I can make it through this one with God. And now it was in confirmation I learned that I'm not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. This church has taught me that with God's great plan, you can make it through anything. Thank you for listening and being part of my journey. really is a big deal um, at Stanwich. And if you look at where you are in your life now, I bet it's because the people that poured into your life when you were younger, both good and bad. Um, I know I'm in where I'm at where I'm in in life right now because the older people who um, took notice of me when I was younger and, and helped me out. And these students are where they are today because the older people in their life took notice of them and, and helped them out. The church, the church's students, these confirmands and all of them, they need spiritual aunts and uncles like you guys. You know, as, as youth leaders and being part of the church staff, people sometimes think that it's just our job to pour into the life of these students, um, but it's not. It's all of our jobs. Every single one of us in here, it's all of our jobs to pour into the, the next generation. And because each person here has a unique testimony. Each person here has a different testimony than me. My testimony is not going to speak to every single one of our students here. Um, but maybe there's someone in here whose testimony will speak to, to one of them. So we're, we are a church family, and we're on this, this spiritual journey together. 
And it's Sundays like these, like Confirmation Sundays, where it's a great time to look, to look at ourselves and our spiritual journeys and, um, and kind of see where we're at. And, you know, life groups, if you're a part of one of them, or even just with your group of friends or your families, uh, it's a good time to think about your own personal testimonies and, um, you know, who could you share your, your testimony to? Um, because if, we, if you think about, think about your testimonies, you know, there's someone in this church or even outside this church that needs to hear your exact testimony. So thank you for listening.